Well, good morning and welcome to Maranatha. I'm Pastor Tony, youth pastor here at Maranatha, and we're glad that we can be together worshiping God. A few announcements before we get into our special service today. We have women's prayer that's going to be happening on February 10th. And that's from 2 to 4 p.m. Joan Niedermeyer is uh, coordinating that. Um, but that's going to be, from my understanding, it's going to be a monthly gathering. Is that right, ladies? Monthly gathering. Um, so first one here is on February 10th from 2 to 4. They'd love to have other ladies gather with them and, and come before the Lord in prayer together. We have a skating party. Uh, Pastor Aaron had mentioned that this did get bumped, so it's on February 20th, 5 to 8 p.m. So that's a free event for not just for families with children, but uh, everybody in the Maranatha Church family is invited to come join us at Skate City on the 20th from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, it's free, so great opportunity. Even if you don't skate, you can come and hang out. Love to have you there with us, having fun together as a church. And we have men's retreat, save the date, that's March 11th and 12th. That's going to be out at Arrowhead again, so men, make sure that's on your calendar, March 11th and 12th. Did I say 11th and 10th? Over there? Yeah. We work backwards sometimes here. All right, 11th and 12th. And then today, oh, uh, one more, I think. Feed My Starving Children um, is, I think Pastor Cordy might say more about that as well, but February 11th and 12th, if you've never participated in that, it's a food packing event to help uh, put meals together for um, children who are um, hungry, children all over the world who need meals. And it's a neat event you can do together. So the youth group's going to be participating on Saturday the 12th. We have a time slot signed up. But you can sign up as a family as well, um, either on February 11th or 12th. It's at the high school. Um, Faith Forsberg, one of our, our own, is uh, part of helping coordinate and lead that. Um, she's a student um, that attends here at Maranatha as well. So Feed My Starving Children. If you want more information, talk to one of us pastors or talk to Faith Forsberg if you know her. And then t final announcement is that um, before we do our our um, celebration is that um, today is Family Celebration Sunday, all right? So this is, um, this is not, uh, this is a day when we do not have Sunday school. Actually, I have a couple notes. I'll grab those. So we have no, no Sunday school today for kids or for youth. Um, but we do have a lot of new families that have been coming to Maranatha, and so we wanted to just say a little bit about why do we do this. It's actually, I had to check back in my notes and see, but it's been over five years now that we started this tradition here at Maranatha of doing something a little different. Each month that has a fifth Sunday, and rather than doing our normal programming with kids Sunday school and youth Sunday school, we pause those programs and gather all together with kids, teens, and adults, learning and worshiping together. And if you're newer to the church, you may have noticed the weird people around you saying that woot woot every time a certain phrase is mentioned. Don't worry, that's just a little, a little thing that started to help make sure that kids of all ages, young and old, are paying attention. And that began back when we started doing these Family Celebration Sundays. And if you're not a woot wooter, no worries, no pressure. But please understand that today will be a little different than your normal Sunday experience here um, at Maranatha. Because we're trying to be very intentional in making sure that everything we do here is, is trying to engage the younger generation. And, and maybe have a little fun, laugh together, maybe be a little silly. But our goal, too, is to maintain a reverence for the Lord at all times. So that's, that we don't see those as contradictory. You can laugh in, in church. You can smile and have fun. You can even say woot woot. And you can still honor the Lord. And so that's our heart. Just know and understand that. But don't feel pressure to have to woot along with. 
And while most Sundays uh, during the school year we offer Sunday school for kids um, during second service, part of why we don't do that now um, to, on this time is because we want to encourage families to worship together. And we, we encourage families to do that all the time. So as much as possible, um, we encourage families to come and gather in first service and worship kids, teens, adults together before sending kiddos and youth over to the other building for second service. So that's our heart's desire, but every once in a while we do this to try and force, force you to, to do that with us. Um, when we understand, though, that's hard. Um, Michelle and I have, our, our oldest was, I think, three years old when we came here, and we've uh, navigated trying to do worship services with little kids for 10 years now. And uh, we're finally, I think, into that stage where they actually can pay attention and follow along. So we, we understand for those families with younger kids or teens with ADHD that uh, it can be challenging to get much out of the service when you have kids in service. But that's a value we have here at Maranatha, and we want to help you. We want this to be a welcoming environment. So sometimes it's a little noisier. Today it's probably going to be a little noisier. There's going to be distractions. There might be kids crying. Um, might be adults crying. I don't know. But... Uh, <clears throat> Bear with us and uh, help us as we disciple the next generation and help them to understand what it's like to worship together as family. So as we do our service today, no matter what your age, we invite you to listen closely to what the Holy Spirit has for each of us, what he wants to communicate to you. Feel free to smile and laugh a little and interact with us maybe a little more than our normal experience here. So with that, I invite um, Pastor Cody to come on up and uh, begin our Family Celebration Sunday. Thank you. All right, to begin with, we're going to have a time of singing, not like we have just done before with our worship team up here, but more of a children-friendly song that we have during our Awana time. So, really come on up. Sorry. Um, I'm Miss Kimmy, and I want to welcome you to service to Family Celebration Sunday. Yeah, you're doing good. Anyway, we obviously like to wiggle in children's church and Iwana and Sunday school, so we're going to ask you to get up, rise your beautiful bodies, beautifully and wonderfully made bodies. Good job. I won't make you wiggle, but this song is fun. It's called I Want to Walk, Walk Like Jesus which is a, it's a simple song, and it's so good. Like, even grandparents, I want grandparents' brains to be on like a sponge and soaking it up, because it's so simple. You can be teaching your little grandbabies, too, okay? So the, everybody here has somebody they can hide it in their own heart and then share with and love on. Are y'all ready? I'm gonna, I have to put this down, because I have to show you the motions, but I don't know who this belonged to.
Bibles, go to Mark chapter 1. We as a church are in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. And we're getting to know this morning, we're going to get to begin to know some of the disciples. And you'll see here, Mark just doesn't go, all right, here's the 12 disciples, here's how they're called in their background. He just begins to slowly bring us into this aspect, getting to know the disciples. Mark chapter 1, we're going to read two events here coming up this morning, but also this morning, we want you to get to know not just the disciples here in this passage, but we want you to get to know us as pastors on this Family Celebration Sunday. All right, all right. So pastors, join me. Come have a seat here. In fact, what I want to do is we're going to give a series of questions, and maybe um, through these questions you can yell out, guess, raise your hand. I don't even know. I forget what some of these questions are. So we're going to find out, but uh, here we are. Hello, gentlemen. All right, so again, 
We're going to see if you know, how well do you know us as pastors, as we get to know the disciples, we're going to see how we get to, so we got a series of questions, they're going to be on the screen here, and see if you can determine which pastor fits this category. The first two are kind of three questions altogether. Which pastor was born in Michigan, which one was born in Minnesota, and which one was born in Wisconsin, which is the greatest state of the union. Just going to say that. All right. That's all right. Who do you think was born in, what was the first one? Michigan. Aaron. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it yeah, is. That is correct. Give the young lad a, a round of applause there. Yes. All right. And who was born in Minnesota? Yeah, sure, you betcha. All right, all right. And who was born in Wisconsin, the great state of the Union? All right. Milwaukee, that's where I was born. All right, all right. Next question is, what pastor went to what college? What schooling did they have in the background? I think that's the next one. All right. So we've got Trinity, which is a school down in the northern suburbs of Chicago. Then we've got Moody, which is in the heart of Chicago. Then we've got Wheaton, which is in the western suburbs of Chicago so all right you can call a friend that's fine that's fine <laughs> you, need, you need help with this so all right which pastor went to Trinity for college that, that is me the the free church college yep that's me all right then who went to Moody for college pastor Aaron may you guys pay attention to when we give sermons or we give back all right and who went to Wheaton Pastor Tony, all right, awesome, awesome. Now we've got individual questions that you've got to figure out. I don't even know. We might have to arm wrestle through some of these answers here, but some might be very obvious. All right, the next question. Which pastor would like to live where there's snow all year round? Ooh, that's a good one. That is correct, Tony. He would love to, maybe because I'm getting older, I just... Yeah, or do you like, I mean, we, we both like snow, but not all year. Okay, he doesn't like snow. There we go. Good to know that. All right, next question. Which pastor will like to sing karaoke? Aaron. Aaron, you give yourself a, hey, you guys are great at this. I hope there's one that will, uh, come on. All right, all right, here we go. Next one. Which pastor is most likely to play basketball? I do have basketball shoes, but it's been a while. Do they have lifts on them? They have they, yes, jet jetpacks, and they just fly you right up there. And the correct answer is Aaron. Yes, yes. All right. Who's what? Which pastor is most likely to listen to soundtrack music? Okay, that's me. Yes, I. Yeah, when I work on sermons, I've got at home uh, probably 200 soundtracks. I love soundtracks. Yeah. All right. Which pastor does not own any pets? You own a horse, so I don't know if that... Yeah. that and then Pastor Aaron? Uh, I own a three-legged dog named Doug. And yeah, I have a four-legged dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just got a dog. Yeah, it would be me. I'm, I'm not a pet guy. I just, yeah. All right. Which pastor is not an extrovert? Tony's like, yeah. <laughs> wow, you're, you do know us. All right. Which pastor grew up on a farm? Minnesota boy, yes. So we should throw some hard ones in here. These are easy. All right, next one. Which, oh, here's a hard one. Which, past, which is the only pastor that married a woman born in the U.S. of A? So two of us pastors of the three, our wives were not born in the States. 
Why, why not you? I mean, okay. Where, where was Michelle born? Michelle was born in Cebu City in the Philippines, yes. Where was your wife born? Winnipeg, Canada. Hey. Her father was teaching Canada, up there at eh? the university. Oh, yeah. I can uh, almost speak that. I grew up in Minnesota, yeah, don't you know? And Pastor Aaron? Uh, my wife was born in Traverse City, Michigan. There we go. You learned something new today. All right. Okay. Which pastor is most likely to go to bed before 10 p.m.? <laughs> I was in bed at 9.15 last night. <laughs> I know. We, we were texting each other last night about 10 No responses like, from Aaron. I'm like, wait, oh, Aaron's sleeping. Let's not do any more. I was just going to text you only. I was like, but you, you, you don't like to stay up too late, do you? I don't like to stay up late, but I end up staying up late more than I prefer, yes. Yeah, last night for me it was 1 a.m., the... Night before that was probably 1.30, so yeah, I'm, I'm more than that. Probably stayed up late thinking about the Packers game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let me get a drink of my coffee here. All right. Most likely to climb a tree. Wow. I mean, we're all a little crazy, I would say. You don't really climb a tree, though. You just kind of reach up and touch oh, the top that's of true. it. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I step into a tree, yeah. Yeah, it would probably be me. I've broken bones falling out of trees and uh, learned to now harness up or whatever I'm doing. Yeah, so, okay. All right, there's a simple one. All right. Most likely, wow, to eat the highest number amount of burgers within 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have witnessed this. I have observed. He can put it down. We, we will say Pastor Aaron for that one. All right, all right. All right, we're almost done here. Which pastor is a pencil snob? That's not a nice way to say it. Okay, that, that, would, that would be me. It's true. It is true. I, I do like pencils and the smell of them. Sharpen them, snip. Oh, anyway. All right. It might be an addiction, so we might Which need to get treatment for it. Grab your mug. Does not drink. Don't be a hater against hot chocolate, okay? <laughs> it is Pastor Tony. Maybe you're the young one in the group. Although he just turned 40. That's old, man. Woo! 40 years old. I need a cane now. Wow. Years old. Which pastor is least likely to eat a Taco Bell? <laughs> they do know us pretty well. <laughs> Tony. Taco Bell's great, man. <laughs> Right. Which pastor dyed his hair in college? What, Tony or Cody? Our names are very much Cody. Who is it? It's me. Aaron. <laughs> Did you? I had color pink. Frosted tips. Ooh, frosted. Frosty. The snowman. Frosted. Did you permit it all or anything fancy like? No. That was more my generation. Some of the guys. All right, which is most likely to throw a big last-minute party? That would be me. You would be there, the first person there. <laughs> Tony would show up sometime, maybe. All right. All right, last question. Ooh, which pastor has a tattoo? <laughs> it says, I love mom, though. It's okay. <laughs> and the answer is... We better get started with the service. Yeah, none of us. None of us. 
All right, here we go, here we go, all right. Well, I, I, am, I, am, I am a little surprised at how many answers they got correct. All right, take your Bibles, let's go to Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14. Again, today we're just going to briefly look at some of these passages here and take some time just getting to know us, getting to know the disciples here. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So as we stated last week, we're going to talk more about John the Baptist when we get to Mark chapter 6. We'll talk more about him. So we're, we're not going to talk here about prison and what, what, what's, what happened to him in later chapters. But now we see the beginning of Jesus and his ministry as he begins in Galilee. He begins this ministry in this phase here. We jump right away into the ministry. And one thing I want to state, in fact, I probably will use this sentence in the next month or two as we look at these stories here. I wrote this down. I said, in these upcoming events and stories, Jesus encounters different groups, different people, different aspects, different groups of people with the reality of himself. We'll even see this next week. He, he meets an unclean spirit. Meets a different group of people with the realities of which is to bring about a change in their lives. And that's kind of the theme I want to look at this morning. When we see who Jesus truly is, there should be a change in our lives. And we see that with every person, group, or encounter he has in the next couple chapters here. So we are looking in the book of Mark. And again, we've titled this with Christ in the School of Discipleship. And one question we are asking from the pages of this gospel is this, who really are his followers? Mark makes it clear what a disciple is through calling, through trials, through giving out his great mission to them at different times. And we need to experience him as crucified Messiah, risen Savior, and follow him as loving Lord talking about messiahship and discipleship through this series and jesus here begins to proclaim the what does it say the good news or maybe your bibles have gospel and we talked about that when we looked at mark 1 1 the gospel what is the gospel and what i want to do is tonight today we're not going to define the gospel in a very elaborate sentence or paragraph instead what we're going to be doing is we're exploring this gospel and the kingdom of god and we will be letting Jesus define what the gospel is. And even so, I have a written sentence on what the gospel is. I've got a paragraph on what discipleship is. But instead of throwing it up there, what I want to do is, I want to go through the book of Mark, and I haven't officially penned it all out yet or penciled it out. I want to see how Jesus defines what the gospel is. And then we're going to then piece that together, and maybe at the end we'll celebrate his definition of the gospel. But one aspect of the gospel, the gospel, the good news, is coming to Christ or becoming a Christian. We believe in the gospel and we become a Christian. We come to know Christ. So what I want to do this morning here is I want you to get to know maybe us a little bit more than you have in the past. And we're going to talk about what it was like when we became a Christian, when we understood the gospel when we trust in Christ as our Savior and Lord. So we're just going to take a couple minutes. Pastor Aaron, 
why don't you share maybe the story of when you became a Christian or understood the gospel? Um, so I grew up in a Christian home. My dad is a pastor, so it's always, uh, the gospel has always been a part of daily life and living. I did devotions um, with my family every morning um, as part of our schoolwork. Um, but when I was five, um, I was a kindergarten in Sparks, and uh, Delilah Lanning, who still teaches Sparks uh, at our church, um, uh, gave um, basically a call, talked about the weight of sin and um, just the darkness that it creates around our hearts and how Jesus can clear that up for us if we surrender our lives to him. So being the great philosopher I was at five, um, went home and told my parents that I wanted to pray and become a Christian. I um, still remember it. my dad and I knelt beside my bed, and we prayed, and I accepted the Lord. So I have a similar story at some level in that I was blessed also to grow up in a Christian home. Parents who love the Lord. I have uh, three brothers, and... Uh, yeah, my parents, strove, they were not perfect, certainly, but they strove to teach my brothers and I how to um, come to know the Lord and follow after Him. You know, our family regularly attended church um, together with their parents, and, and so between their church experience and, and my parents at home, you know, sharing the gospel with us, um, you know, we, at a very early age, I came to faith as well. I actually don't remember a, a specific time, and for a number of years, that really bothered me. You know, I wanted to have a date and an hour and the exact time and, and be able to say definitively, this is when I became a Christian. But as I've grown, I've, I've reflected on it, and I, I think it's actually a, a great blessing that I don't remember a time when I didn't believe the truths of the Bible. Now, certainly I've grown in my understanding, and there's been different um, points along the journey where, that, where I've taken like, further steps in my faith. But from a very early age, I believed that I was a sinner, that I needed a Savior, and I believe that, that God loved me so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to, to die in my place, to live that perfect life that I couldn't live, to die that substitutionary death, right, that death that I deserve to die, and, uh, and that if I put my faith and trust in him, um, that if I receive that free gift of salvation, that I could be saved from, from hell, and I could spend eternity with, with the God who loves me. And so I, uh, from a very early age, that's what I believed, and I, I know I responded. And I think I did pray, you know, multiple times, prayed a sinner's prayer to kind of make sure, to kind of lock it in, right? Um, some of you maybe have experienced that as well. But um, you know, even though my, my story of God calling me to faith in Christ was gradual, there was one key point that was more abrupt for me, and that happened when I was 12 years old. Any 12-year-olds here today? I don't know if I saw any 12-year-olds. Ellie must be close. How old are you, Ellie? 14. So you're in that range. Young teens. So I was, I was 12, and it was summer Bible camp, and I had a, a joy every summer spending time at, uh, at Bible camp. Uh, growing up on the farm there, we, we worked hard, long hours on the farm even as kids, but we did get to take one week to go to Bible camp during the summer, and that was often a highlight of the summer. Deeper Life Bible Camp is the name of the Bible camp. And I remember the, that summer when I was 12, Hank Rosa was the speaker, and I don't remember exactly, I don't remember much about what he talked about, but I do remember him talking about this concept of the Lordship of Christ. And it was the first time where, it was, I'm sure it wasn't the first time where I heard it, but it was the first time where it clicked for me. It was the first time where it made sense that there's this difference between 
just trusting in Jesus as my Savior, as my ticket out of hell, um, and truly surrendering to him as my Lord. And so I was, I was hit by that concept, and I responded to that concept. I remember sitting after chapel and having a little chat with God and, and saying, I want that. Like, I, I realize I haven't lived that way. I've kind of, you know, followed after God on Sundays and Wednesdays, but the rest of the week has kind of been my week. To, not that I was, um, you know, a horrible, horrible kid. I was actually a fairly um, compliant child, but, uh, but I realized that uh, I, I had not yet fully surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. So I remember praying and saying, God, whatever you want for my life, wherever you want me to go, if you want me to be a missionary, you know, in a, in a foreign country, you know, whatever you want me to do, I want to do that. I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want you to be Lord of every area of my life, every day of my life. And, uh, and, and that was when, really, I began to grow very radically in my life and experience this, this exciting time of, of, I started reading the Bible regularly and praying regularly. And so during that, that season is when I'd point to as a key part of uh, my, my, not just my coming to faith, but like my, my accelerating in growing in my faith and experiencing this intimacy with God, experiencing Him communicating to me directly through His Word as I would read it, and I'd be like, wow, like that's, this is just the next chapter that I was scheduled to read, and it was exactly what I needed for today. Was, God was speaking directly to me about something that happened in my life. It was so fun and exciting, and, and so that was a key part of my faith story. How about you, Cody? Yeah, let me even just say this about just even hearing our stories when we came to Christ. I think what Tony hits on is a, is a key part. Like, you'll see here, I'll share mine in a moment. We, you know, we grew up in the church. We understood Jesus, you know, uh, from, from being a pastor's kid or, or whatever. You know, we grew up in the church. We, we understood the gospel, and there was this significant time when we gave our lives to Christ, but there's also this growth aspect when we, as Tony mentioned, where we get the reality of it and see the beauty of Christ, and we grow in that. And that's not something that just maybe happens one time, but it, we continue to grow in our understanding of becoming a child of Christ. And that could be the same for you. So, so for me as a kid, I was born in Milwaukee. I was adopted. My, my parents adopted me, took me. We lived in Hartford, Wisconsin, which is just north of Milwaukee. My, my dad worked at a factory there, and we lived in an apartment building. We were up above, and then the Tapia family was below us. And through just the friendship that we had, Tapia invited my parents to come to church, First Baptist Church in Hartford, Wisconsin. So my parents started going to church. You know, they never went to church or anything like that. And then we started going to church, and uh, so it was there when I was at church going through flannel graph. Anybody know what that is? Okay, some of you, okay. Eager Beaver, so our Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Gibson, um, she was the, the pastor's wife, she taught Sunday school. And year after year, I started hearing about this message about we need Jesus Christ as a Savior. And, and it wasn't until I was seven years old that I realized the reality of my sin and the price that Jesus paid. I mean, these are things I cognitively understood, but then it was on March 16, 1977. I've got it written down in my Bible, which is, which is fine. And that's when, when Eager Beaver went to heaven on the flannel graph. You could just move him up there. And I, it, it all made sense to me. And I talked to Mrs. Gibson afterwards. And then I went home and I talked to my dad. And then that night, he and I, we, we prayed. And we just, that's where I just said, Jesus, I need you because without you, I am doomed. And that's when I began to understand the reality of the gospel message. Again, as we're going to see here in Mark, Jesus meets people, and when they see who he is, their lives change. And, and also for me, I understood that, trusted Christ, I said a sinner's prayer, but it wasn't until I also went to, to a Bible camp after my parents got divorced when I was 13. 
my life was just like, ugh, life is just a mess right now. And then that summer I went to Bible camp, and that's where God, through, through the, the camp speaker, I just was hit again with the reality of the gospel. I, I believe before that, if I would have died, I would have went to heaven. But now it was understanding, okay, he's my Savior, but I want him to be totally Lord over all in my life. And then that's where I had this other, another aspect of complete surrender in my life, where I just said, God, I'm yours. Do whatever you want. And that was a beautiful time, which I would have done at eight-year-olds, nine-year-old, but, but more I was becoming a teenager, and I was like, okay, now I belong to him. So you're kind of hearing the story of, of what it was like for us when we encountered Christ as Savior and as Lord. Let's look now at the next event that we have here in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 16. Take a look in your Bibles here. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, or I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. A couple things I want you to note here. This isn't the, the calling of all the disciples. We've got four of them right here. We'll see later on in the passage, or in the next couple of chapters here, him calling other disciples. In fact, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago in the Bibles, maybe you have this. Take a look at this picture here. This is event number 30 and 33. Uh, years and years ago, centuries ago, someone mapped out 250 events that Jesus partook of in the Gospels that are written down in primarily the first three Gospels and then also John. And they're, they're numbered. So maybe, you know, I encourage you, maybe get a study Bible, that's got, study Bible that's got these numbers here. So we're at event number 33 here of Jesus calling these disciples. So the calling of the first disciples shows two things here that I thought of. Number one, Jesus calls them. Jesus is the one who's not like John the Baptist. John the Baptist is this kind of wild man kind of um, evangelist out in the wilderness and people go to him. He's not calling them out, but people go visit him and, and he waits for the people. Jesus seeks out these disciples. And the initiation is on the part of Jesus. Come, follow me. I will make. And we're going to get to this later as we study the book of Mark. Jesus gives them honor of partaking in his mission, in his ministry. Something I thought of is this. Being a disciple is not an accomplishment that we do. All right, there's Jesus. There's some people that are fishermen. All right, I want to, I want to follow his group of 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 roaming men and what's this going to look like so what i'm going to do is i'm going to go through a class what it means to be a disciple and then i can do that it's not like that instead it's a gift of his calling and his grace he does the initiation he begins to call it out and that's like from our story of understanding jesus as savior jesus is the one who initiates and works and moves in our hearts notice he didn't call the educated he didn't call the well-trained religious people or the ones in the synagogue. He doesn't call those who already had the biblical training. 
he calls fishermen. In fact, there's two types of fishermen. There's the one who are casting nets from the shore. They don't have enough money to get a boat, but they're there. I want fish. I need food, and I need some fish for my livelihood. But he also calls, look at the latter part there, others who are in a boat. Their dad's with them. They have hired men with them. So it's a variety of people. And as we go through the book of Mark, we will definitely be covering more of this calling the disciples into the ministry that Jesus has alongside him. So what I want to do is I want to take a moment, a little bit shorter here, on talking about even us as pastors. We were called to be a child of God, but then there was a time when we were called into full-time ministry. So talk to us about your calling into full-time ministry. Pastor Aaron. So I don't think I necessarily had a specific time when I had a call, but um, events throughout my life kind of led me to the decision to go into ministry. Um, one of the first ones was at uh, Lake Ann Camp when I was 11 years old. Um, at the end of the week, the counselor uh, takes kids aside and, and kind of tells them what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what, what they see in them, because they've just spent um, a week living life with them. And a guy named uh, Alex Eunice who you've heard of him i've heard of him yeah who happens to be tony's brother-in-law um took me aside and um he was the first person to tell me that i was a leader and at 11 years old um i didn't really understand what that meant didn't really didn't really comprehend and looking back on it that was a major uh, major thing for me to get that affirmation um and then when i was 17 um uh, Saturday night, I was at uh, Corinne's house with her family, and I got a phone call Saturday night about 8 o'clock saying, hey, would you be willing to fill in for a kindergarten through second grade boys Sunday school class? And I never taught. Um, all I had done is like nursery and twos and threes, and I was like, sure. And from that point on until I was 21, I taught every Sunday for that class. Um, and really enjoyed it. And those boys, um, I was able to take them, I actually took them through kindergarten to second grade into their third through fifth grade class. Um, and that's where I really got my affirmation. I was like, you know what, I was originally going to go to school to be, uh, go to college to be a teacher, and I don't think I can teach anything but the Bible. Um, just because it's, uh, it's something that never changes, but it changes us constantly. So I think um, those, those events would be the biggest, my biggest call into ministry. So for me, uh, Deeper Life Bible Camp comes back into the story here as well. Each summer when I got to spend that week at, at Bible Camp, I grew so much. I learned a ton, had fun doing all the activities that you do at camp, and uh, just learning and growing. <clears throat> and uh, during those experiences is where I began to think that God was beginning to call me into vocational ministry. Are there any kids or teens here who know what vocational ministry means? You've heard that term before. So let me explain. I thought it might be helpful to kind of explain what I understand that to mean is that aside, um, um, I believe that, that all true followers of Jesus Christ are called to serve him, right, are, are called into a life of ministry for him, regardless of what you do to earn money to pay your bills. So we're all um, ministers of the gospel, right? Ephesians 4 talks about that, and some of our role as pastors um, as elders at Maranatha, is to equip um, the saints, to equip um, everyone else to be um, living that out. So I believe that's kind of the foundational. We're all ministers of the gospel, but being 
called into vocational ministry, full-time ministry, is, is when you actually get your bills paid while you're doing full-time ministry. So instead of having to do kind of ministry part-time and work a full-time job elsewhere, you're, you're given the, the blessing but also the responsibility of being able to invest every ounce of your energy into ministry. And, and so that's what I began to feel like God was maybe calling me into doing that, not just living my life for him in every area and serving him in whatever job I would do, but to actually go into full-time vocational ministry. Because I wanted to have a similar impact in the lives of young people especially that, that I received. I was on the benef- benefiting side. Beneficiary? Beneficiary? Yeah, I benefited. Okay, I, I was a... As a camper, I was so blessed. I'm like, I want to be used by God, like a speaker or a counselor. Or I wasn't sure what that was going to look like, but it was a, it was a big beginning of the call into um, um, youth ministry. And I remember going to uh, a district youth conference. This was over in Minnesota, um, the greatest state, aside from Wisconsin, of course. But And uh, there was a guy who, I went to this prayer time before one of the rallies, and there's this guy who... I mean, it was kind of weird to me because I, I grew up in a free church and there was no prophetic announcements that were happening in our in our services. We we're not a charismatic um, leading church, but uh, this guy he uh, he just said, "I I feel like God is saying you're going to be a pastor someday," and it just like blew me away because I this was a guy that I had never met before, and we were just in this prayer time together, and so I'm like, "Okay, God." That's a little weird outside of my normal realm of, like, what church and experiences are like, but is there something to this? And so I kind of just tucked that away, and, uh, and then going off to college, studied youth ministry, and, uh, just, and loved it, and uh, had the opportunity to, um, to pursue um, being trained to go into youth ministry. But after college, I began to question, kind of maybe like Aaron was saying, maybe becoming a teacher. And I thought, you know, I could, I could teach in the public schools. It, it would be a mission field, because right? some of these kids, they don't, they don't go to a church at all. Um, and so I could be building relationships with kids in, the, in that environment. I love sports, so I could coach. Some of my coaches had a greater impact on my life than some of my youth leaders did, because I spent a tremendous amount of time with them, you know, in the practice room and at meets and tournaments and all that. And so I could teach, I could coach, and then I could maybe have some time in the summer where I could get involved in camp ministry, too. So I'm like, that could be a perfect mix. So after college, I really wrestled through that decision. Do I go into to seminary and pursue you know, full-time pastoral ministry within the church, or do I pursue um, teaching? I actually got my substitute teacher's license and was really wrestling through that. But I spent a night praying um, a long time, just praying, seeking the Lord, and through that process, I really felt like God gave me a peace about pursuing full-time pastoral ministry in the church and being able to have um, an influence in, in students' lives over the course of many years, hopefully, uh, rather than, like, at camp, you get to see him for a week in the summer, and it's a powerful time, but, um, you know, I wanted to be able to be through, go through the ups and downs of, of life. And so along the way, um, yeah, there's just been numerous little things along the way where I feel like God has called me. Now, I, I struggle even now sometimes calling, like doubting that, and I question that, and I, and I long to see incredible fruit in the ministries that I'm involved in. And, uh, and so I, I tend to get very discouraged because I want to see every single teenager here at the Soul Garage just full bore following after Jesus. Um, and so I, I question that, but I, it's helpful to think back and say, okay, God, no, you, you have these different times where you said, yes, I want you to do this. I want to call you, even, even though it may not be exactly um, the way I had hoped or envisioned it would it would look like. So, yeah, for me, I grew up in Appleton, Wisconsin, and getting close to graduation when I graduated in 1988 from high school, 
the question was, what factory will you work in or what branch of military will you serve in? That's just the way it was. You know, College was like, who goes to college? Why, why would you waste your time doing that? That's kind of just the general feel from, feel from what, where, we, where I grew up in. And so I grew up, and my mindset was, I'm going to the military. Um, pretty much every, every guy in my family was military, every branch of service. How many of you were in the military? Raise your hand. Let me just see. Awesome. Thank you for your service. Yeah, so my mindset was, I'm going to the military. That's what it is. Met the recruiter, was ready to sign everything. But then right the week before I did, I was like, wait a second. I can do military, which is, I'm, that's what I'm wired. It's in my DNA and everything. But then I realized God had a special, unique skill set within me and calling. And then I just was like, pause. Let me think through this. Because at that time, through Bible camp, I, I've noticed how Bible camp is a big thing. I would encourage you. Parents, grandparents, kids, you know, parents, send your kids to Bible camp, or kids, ask your parents, grandparents, I want to go to Bible camp. Powerful time that God can use in your life. So that's when, when I was in high school, I realized I, I need to do ministry. And when I was in high school, I was leading kids to the Lord. I was living for Jesus. I was, I was a crazy wild man for Jesus. And uh, my nickname to most of the kids in my school was I was Billy Graham's son. You know, just I was out there with my Bible. I was just kind of crazy. And just, I was like, what if I didn't do military? I did ministry. And that's where then I joined a, a parachurch ministries. Bill and Bob Lenz took me under their wing and spent a lot of time with me in, in the Appleton area. And I started doing ministry, working with them, and just learning about ministry. And then they were like, listen, we never went to Bible school. Please, just do one year. I was like, why would I waste my time going to college? And then I went to, I said, all right, I'll do one year. I went to Trinity. And that's where I then began to fall in love with while learning about ministry and just you know, kind of building up more what it means to be a minister. And then from there, it just kind of took off. And then I just was like, I, I want to be a minister. And what does that look like? And, and then throughout the, the different stages of my life, I, I've seen that come from um, different aspects and fruit in that. So yeah, God, I knew he called me when I was at Bible camp to be his child. But then in high school is when I was like, that's when I made the decision. Where I was like, okay, Lord, I know you're calling me into ministry. And it wasn't just this inner like sense of like, okay, I want to do it because it sounds cool. Back then, I, I didn't want to do it because I want to do military. Why? And that's what I'm wired for. But then I knew God was calling me. I, I saw that through confirmation of, of just his hand in my life and other ministers in my life investing in me, calling me, encouraging me to do that, to be involved in what Pastor Quinn called vocational ministry. Take a look at this. So again, two things that I've noticed out of this. Jesus calls them, and secondly, they must be willing to follow. Fishing is this aspect of industry in this area, kind of like farming is for us in this area. It was the livelihood of many people at this time in this region. Thus, Jesus uses this metaphor that they understand. He hears this. Here it is. You know, this is, I'm going to call you to be following me, but also fishers of men come and you will catch men. And here's the difference. In catching fish, you catch a living fish and then you kill it. How many in this room have ever caught a fish? I hope every, you know, most of us, every hand's going to be up. Yeah, we've all caught fish. You catch them alive and then you cook it up. And I love eating fish. Here, they will be netting the dead. And Jesus will be bringing them to life. But for them, it's not like, and we'll see this here as we go understand this later in the next couple weeks, it's not like following a rabbi. For them, in this time period, it was like, follow me, and they would sit, the rabbi would have his little pupils, his little people, that you know, little disciples, and they, he would just teach them. They would sit, 
And they would learn. They would just sit and learn. But we see this right away. Jesus says, follow me, and I will have you be involved in ministry. They must be ready to leave their old life and follow the pattern of Jesus. And listen to that. We also must be ready to leave our old life and follow the pattern of Jesus, be called into doing this. And look at their reaction. And something we'll see often here in Mark. At once they left their nets. At once they left. So the poor guys on the shore, they're throwing their nets. They just leave like, oh, we will follow you. Or the ones who maybe have a little bit more money in their pocket, they got boats, they got hired men. Oh, we will follow him. And we're going to see this theme often in Mark, the theme of in discipleship. Radical commitment. Again, we're talking about messiahship and discipleship. Radical commitment that Jesus calls from us. And we see this as he calls his disciples here. Jesus must be first place in our life. And this is something we will come back often and often as Mark highlights this in his Bible. Jesus demands wholehearted sacrifice. And you've got to be totally in. You've got to be so set on what Jesus is calling you to. So Jesus calls, and they must be willing to follow radical commitment. Pastor Tony, what in the world are you doing? I'm just going to do a little ice fishing. Hope okay. you don't mind. That's fine, yep. I don't know if you uh, told anybody our little secret, our secret fishing spot. You didn't know that there was a frozen lake right underneath my ice castle here. It's warmer in here, though, than my <laughs> ice castle. Oh, I think I see something. Oh, I got one. Oh, my. It's a big one. Oh. Look at that. It's already mounted for me. That's awesome. And it sings. Hmm. hmm. Awesome. Have you ever been fishing? Anybody ever been fishing? Yeah. So when you go fishing, <clears throat> ideally, you catch it just like I caught this guy. Right, right there on the top lip, right? With your hook. But sometimes, so we go, most of the fishing I did growing up was summer fishing up in the boundary waters. And we were going for walleyes. We didn't care about any other species. Walleye is where it's at. And uh, sometimes, though, there's perch. Any of you guys like perch? Okay. But what's the difference between a walleye and a perch when you're catching them? All right, the, the walleye usually, usually will hit a little harder. The perch, they just kind of nibble, 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 nibble. They're just playing with it, and it is so frustrating. I'm like, you either bite it or leave. Get away from my minnow, okay? And so when you're fishing, sometimes, though, if you're not paying attention, you're distracted, you're taking a nap in the boat, all of a sudden your fishing rod is almost falling into the, boat, into the water, which has happened in our boats. Um, it was my brother so, and my son <clears throat> and probably others, too. But anyway, we, if you're not paying attention, that fish might... Uh, swallow not just your hook but the line and the sinker as well and then you got to get your special tools out and dig it out and it's no fun right but so this idea about radical commitment to jesus they're not just nibbling you're not like the perch you're not just 
playing with Jesus. You're not just wanting a little bit of him in your life. You're going all in, hook, line, and sinker. So when you think about this idea of radical commitment to Christ, think about fully committing your lives to serving him. So that's, that's a little illustration that maybe we'll, we'll stick with you. And uh, if you're lucky, maybe sometime you can come ice fishing with us here in this special spot as well. Hook, line, and sinker. Let's finish up here talking to all of us here. Just as Jesus invited his first four there to be involved in his life, in his ministry, we all are invited into his mission. He calls the same to us today. Come and follow me. He's asking to do life with us. And and again, I can't wait to see this in the book of Mark. When we follow him, we now figure out what our main purpose and our design is. And for some of you, it might be called into a vocational ministry as a pastor, as a missionary. You might even get paid to do it like the three of us are. Or you may not, but you're still called into ministry. The first part is being called to be a child of God, which we've talked about as we understood the gospel. Secondly, we as farmers, we as teachers, we as parents, spouses, factory workers, or wherever you are in your life, we are called to make disciples to help people follow Jesus. And we want to encourage you to do this. To help others see the beauty of Christ. And this begins in our families. And this is what Family Celebration Sunday is all about. We want you to see the beauty of, as families, we want to encourage you to make disciples in families. Starting with our families, then with our church, then with our community. Families, church, then community. Kind of following the pattern what Jesus gave. We'll see this in the book of Mark and then we see what he gives at the, in the beginning of Acts. So we're going to have the pastors come up and we're going to encourage you in the areas of family, in the areas of the church, in the areas of community to care and show people Jesus. So Pastor Aaron. All right. Who loves their church family? Oh, wait. Let's start with family, right? Family first. All sure. right. Yeah, family Forget first. what I just said. Yeah. Hold that thought. Um, so we at Maranatha, we really value discipleship in the home. And we understand that scriptures teach that parents are intended to be the primary disciplers of their own children, primary disciple makers. And we have these t-shirts. So yeah, if you uh, want one as a reminder of your calling, part of your calling, um, we, can, we can get you one. But discipleship begins in the home. That's where it, it should begin. We also understand that families come in all shapes and sizes. So while some of what we do on these Sundays uh, may seem focused on families with children who are still in the home, we believe that there is something for all generations and all families. You may be a young adult, you may be uh, single, maybe you're married with, without children, maybe you're divorced, um, or maybe you're a widow or a widower. You might be empty nesters or grandparents. We are one church family, and we all need each other. If you do not have children of your own at home during this season of life, you are still part of a family with other relatives. And you can use the gifts God has given you to serve and to care for um, your, your extended family. Aging parents, perhaps. Or maybe your gifting is, is being the best aunt or uncle to uh, your nieces and nephews. I am trying, every time we hang out with um, any of our nieces and nephews, I remind them that Tony is the favorite uncle, favorite uncle. We're trying to disciple them in, in that. And uh, 
And so <clears throat> that's an a, a ongoing joke in our family. So I'm always telling them I'm the favorite uncle. But if you're a grandparent, please know that research that has been conducted by this guy named Christian Smith, who's a, a Christian sociologist, dramatically shows, one, that parents have the most significant influence in the faith development of their kids, but two, it shows that grandparents have an incredible influence as well. And so if you are a grandparent, please know that you have an incredible opportunity to be intentional in disciple-making. Maybe for some of you as grandparents, you feel that you dropped the ball a little bit as a parent, and you have regrets, and, and maybe your kids aren't all following after the Lord and, and therefore, maybe their kids, your grandkids, are, aren't following after the Lord in the way that you would like to see as well. It's kind of like you get a do-over with grandkids, right? So you maybe don't feel like you did the, the best job you could have done with your own kids and discipling them. But now you get another chance with the next generation. And, uh, and so please um, take advantage of that. Be intentional with that. And let me take this moment to remind you of some of the resources that we offer to our church families to help you in this most difficult task of making disciples in your home. So first and foremost, this isn't something unique that we offer, but as I was jotting down my notes, as I first and foremost, if you have a Bible in your home, you have an incredible resource, right? And it, you don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to have gone to Trinity or Moody or the best one, Wheaton. You, you know, you, you, uh, you have the scriptures, you have the Holy Spirit if you are a follower of Christ dwelling in you. So open the Word of God at home. You don't even, I, I don't think you even, if you have time to prep it and prepare a little thought on it with your family, great. But sometimes just opening the scriptures, reading them together, you, you, know, you're, you may have questions that come up that you don't know the answer to. That's okay. Dig into it. Ask a pastor. Ask, ask a friend. You know, dig into it together when your kids or your you know, other family members maybe see your own journey there. I think that's incredible. So, so engage with the Word of God. Um, but then we have some other specific tools that we offer <clears throat> Maranatha families here. We have, it's called our Faith at Home Disciple-Making Strategy, and it has these four primary tools, the pointers and recipe cards, which are out at the Resource Center in the lobby. We have the Faith Path, um, which is, um, you know, this, these different steps along spiritual, your spiritual development journeys, different ones that we can celebrate. And with that, um, I wanted to just highlight um, last year, in 2021, each month, or most months, we celebrated and highlighted one of them on the journey. But with the holiday season, we ended up not doing the last two, and we said, let's save those for the beginning of, let's save them for today. So we were highlighting today the last two uh, you know, points on the faith path journey, which are the rite of passage, which is recommended for um, kids age 16 and up, and then the launch, which is for those who are getting ready to launch out of the home. So we have some um, kits out there if that uh, applies to your family, if you have kids in that range. Um, and so we have some resources there on the left side of the table out there by the resource center are the are the rite of passage ones, and those are different um, by gender. So they're the, the blue folder for, have some specific things for guys in there, and then the maroon folder, um, those are specific for the ladies. So that's the rite of passage, and there's some books that come with that. And then on the right side is the launch one. And uh, so just to quickly mention those. So <clears throat> actually for the um, rite of passage, we have uh, some of the resources are geared more towards the parents, uh, but we've been trying to find some things that are specific for the youth as well, or the kids for the younger ones in there. But this one is for parents, and this goes with that rite of passage. This is a book that was recommended by John and Carrie Peterson. It's called Smartphone Sanity. 
a proven plan to protect your kids, build trust, and bring smartphone balance to your home. This is a resource that they found really, really helpful, have recommended to me. I've been flipping through it, and, and what I've looked at so far is excellent. What I'm offering for these two final faith path steps um, is something different than what we've done with some of the others. What I'd like to offer for this is any parent, and even if you don't have a kid who's in that specific age range. But if you're interested in going through this book together, this spring I'd like to invite anyone who wants to do that to basically do a book study together where we go through this book and then, um, and then talk through it together. Um, so if you're interested in that, let me know. But certainly um, those who are in that age range with kids, teens that are like 16 or older. And then there's this book that I found called Life Skills for Teens. A little uh, disclaimer on this one is that I tried really hard to find a resource that was written um, explicitly from a Christian perspective that kind of just tackles some general skills that are helpful for adulting. That's a word now, I guess, adulting, you know, is when teens, teens or young adults are learning what it means to be an adult and are practicing those skills. And uh, it seems, working with youth, it seems like there is a great need for that, right? There's a great need <clears throat> for helping come alongside families and helping them. This is not written from an explicitly Christian perspective. I flipped through it. Um, there's only a couple things in there on, like, how to deal with emotions that I'm like, eh, it's not exactly how we would probably present it. So that's just, if you know of a resource that's like this that is written from a Christian perspective, let me know, because we're always collecting resources. But that's just my little disclaimer on that one. Most of it, I think, is excellent. There's stuff on, on forgiveness in here. To me, is almost like straight from the seven A's of confession, which is a very biblical Christian um, guide on that. Um, a lot of other good stuff. So even, like, how to jumpstart a car. So a lot of practical things, how to cook, how to clean, how to fold your laundry. You know, you do have to figure that out. Washing clothes, understanding what all those little icons mean. So it's, it's just a little practical book uh, for kids. So for the launch kit, I got one of my favorite books by John Piper. It's called Don't Waste Your Life. So with this, what I'm offering is for, for those who are juniors and seniors and their parents, I would love to offer a book study going through this together. And then as we do that, we'll talk through other things like how do you find a church? Like if you're heading out, launching out into the, the world and, or you're going off to college, how do you get plugged into a campus ministry? Um, you know, other practical things. So each, each week we would meet, uh, we would go through a chapter of this and then talk through some practical things about launching. So um, anyway, those are, those are on, the, on the table out there. Grab one of those. That's our second. So we've got the pointers and recipe cards, the faith path, and then campaigns, which are these uh, periodic times where we focus as a whole church on doing something together, moving in the same direction. And then the Right Now Media, um, if, you aren't, if you have no idea what Right Now Media is, talk to me afterwards. I'd love to get you signed up. Um, I have a couple different uh, things on there that I've seen that I would highlight and make as recommendations for couples, a book or a, a video series called His Needs, Her Needs, um, for parents, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus by Natasha Crane. And for just anyone, they have a, a series on that book, Don't Waste Your Life, a, a video series on Piper's book. So for anyone, whatever your stage of life, for that. So, so that's a little bit about, as a, as a family, how can we um, follow the call of Jesus in our lives? So maybe you don't have biological family living close by. Of course, you can still have an impact if you're intentional. But we have other opportunities for you here as well. So listen to Pastor Aaron as he shares about ways you can follow the call of Christ by using your gifts maybe to serve here at Maranatha. Do you guys love Jesus? That was pathetic. Do you guys love Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Stacy, can I have that slide, please? 
this uh, on the slide behind me will be just um, a list of different ministries that we uh, provide here at Maranatha. And to provide ministries, we need your help. Um, we need help from everything for uh, uh, cooking, for funerals, help in the kitchen, to women's ministry, to planning events. Um, and one of the things to get involved with in your church body, we uh, last fall uh, did a big push for a small group ministry. We had a neighborhood gathering event that kind of flowed into uh, some small groups, and some of those are still ongoing, uh, but we would love to see that ministry thrive a little bit more. Some people did sign up last week. I encourage you, come see me, sign up, get in a small group. We have some that are going. We have some that want to start up. If you signed up last week, check your email. I did respond, so check your email to that. Um, another thing that we need help with, uh, Tony, you need a youth leader for middle school boys, don't you? Yeah, I could use another youth leader for sure. Uh, and guess what? We, for Awana, Julie, we need some volunteers for Awana, don't we? We need, yeah, Julie's old. <laughs> we need volunteers. We need three volunteers. We need uh, volunteers. All you, all you need to do, I'm not asking you to do a lot. I'm just asking you to love Jesus and to do it in the context of an hour and a half on a Wednesday night. I don't think that's a big ask at all. Um, so volunteer for Juana, you can see me, you can see Julie, you can see Kimberly Robbins in the back for that. Um, other, other ministry opportunities, Nancy Peterson is doing a great job leading our women's ministry. There's different events that are ongoing for that that I'm sure she would love your help with. Mary, do you need help in the kitchen sometimes? Absolutely. Talk to Mary. If you, if you love cooking, if you love cleaning, especially if you love cleaning, Please talk to Mary. If you love helping with events, come talk to one of us pastors. If you're interested in a small group, if you're already in a small group, uh, come. What? Soundboard, too. Soundboard? Do we? Nursery. Nursery. That is a great one. Nursery. Working Definitely. The we could use too. some help in, in the nursery. It's the soundboard. Worship team. You can talk to Randy. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities for you to serve, and we need you to serve in order to thrive as a body. Um, we, are, we are paid staff to do what we do, but I cannot do my job without you guys helping me do my job. I cannot, I cannot do Awana without Kimberly and Julie. I can't do it by myself. I'm sorry. I don't have enough hours in a week. Um, so we have also young adult ministries. There's been a big, big boom with that, even with Pastor Eric leaving. Uh, he left it in some great hands uh, with the Olsons and the Schiltz. And there's several different young adult uh, small groups that are meeting. If you're interested in that, if you'd like to help with that. Um, building and grounds. We need help around here to maintain uh, our building, to help maintain um, uh, just everything, keep everything up and running. Um, I am a pastor. I have no idea how to do any plumbing or electrical work. Uh, we have some very gifted people in that. I'm very, very thankful for that do that. Even if you just come and hold a flashlight, it would mean a lot to us. So um, you can look at this list here. Come talk to one of us. Talk to a ministry leader and get involved, please. Discipleship, starting in your family. We have a variety of ways to help you in that. Then, growing to our church, and lastly, outreach. And I'll be quick on this. A couple things I encourage you. Last Sunday, around the nation, the Sanctity of Life Sunday, where we um, promote that just a little bit, but I want to also promote that a little bit now. We've got these baby bottles available. Put some change in there. You can put a check in there, whatever you want. This will help the Pregnancy Help Center as they reach out to families, people in need, help saving babies. And as you know, this is a very passionate thing in my life. I'm all about standing for life and promoting the Pregnancy Help Center. So this is one way that we can do that in outreach. Another way 
of, of doing that is I encourage you, grab the calendar that we have available for you. This is a new one for this month. This is a variety of ministries that we support in our area, in Wisconsin, and around the world. Outreach is, is key to me, and we'll talk more about outreach as we see Jesus living this out in the book of Mark. And also, we'll talk more. I'm going to give you more examples of Feed My Starving Children. We're going to have a sign-up. They need groups of 10 to do it, so I think the best way we can do next week, we're going to have a sign-up sheet. And just put your name down. We'll get groups of 10 for February 11th, Friday night, and then Saturday, February 12th. Ways to do outreach. We must encounter Jesus and his gospel to become children of God. And like the stories we read about here in Mark, Jesus encounters different people groups with the reality of himself, which is to bring about a change in their lives and our lives. Jesus gives us an honor to participate in serving. Tony, can I have your coffee mug or your water cup here? I remember the first Sunday I was here as your pastor years ago. I contacted, I think it was Barton. I contacted Barton. I, I think, I, did I mail this to you or something? I'm not sure how we did this, but I got him a mug. I bought two of them in case the first one broke. And if you take a look way up on top, the brother of this mug is tucked up there on that little ledge. See that ledge up there? This is a handcrafted mug by my friend. Chopper Bowman made this. I said, make me two mugs. One that looked like a serving kind of mug, like you would serve someone with this mug. You would care for someone. So that way, every Sunday when I preach, you don't see it, but I see that little mug up there. Reminding, i got to serve you, care for you, serve them with love. I see that every Sunday. Now you're going to see it too, up there, tucked up there probably full of dust now, but your job, and maybe I should put a mug up there so you see it every Sunday, every day, I must serve and care for my family, for the church, and in outreach. We're called by Christ to know Him, to love Him, and to show Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this time that we could gather together this Sunday to learn a little bit about Your disciples. We're definitely going to learn a lot more. He just introduces them, and we're going to see how they fail at times, how they learn about ministry, may that encourage us to do likewise as you've called us to be your children, to serve and care for others. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Stand and join us in our last few songs.
sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of kings. by God to be a child of God, but you've also been called to be a disciple and minister to others. So God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have an awesome week.